welcome to The School Run. I'm Jane. And I'm Liv. And we are going to share with you the best conversations we have on our school run. We will invite guests and debate topics that affect and resonate with every generation. We all remember our own school run. So maybe have a think about yours. What do you remember? Hello and welcome to another episode of the School Run podcast. Every day is a school day and we are in the most privileged position to be chatting to the most amazing guests on our school run journey. For those that haven't listened to this um, podcast before, I started this with my 15-year-old daughter, Liv, in February 2023. I cannot believe that we've done over a half a year of podcast episodes. We've got over 4,000 listeners. It's incredible. Liv, how are you feeling about how the School Run podcast is going? Well, that's a different question. I thought you were going to ask me, how do you feel about this episode, which is what you usually ask me. Um, How do I feel how it's got? I think it's going very well. I love it. I do. I like speaking to people. Um, I can't wait to do some more like in-person stuff. Yeah, might really help people. But we're, we're going to move on to that, aren't we? We've got yes, our social we media. We've got our social media channels. Yeah, go and follow our TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> we have got the social media channels, and you know the reason for doing the podcast was that we had a very long journey to school. Ugh. Liv went to school an hour and a half away from where we live, yes, and we fun. used to chat a lot on the school run journey. Actually, not really. I used to just sing the whole way there and back. But we had some great chats and we started to put those and make a time capsule of those onto a podcast. The things that I taught live on the school run, the things that she taught me about Which the younger generation. She yeah, teaches me a lot. lot. You sure did. And and then we've brought guests to join us on this school run. We don't record it in the car. I just want to say that straight away. <laughs> Some people ask. Maybe we should start putting that at the start of every episode. We're not in the car. We're not in the car. But today we are joined by an amazing guest. I'm so excited for this one. It's going to be a great chat. Lewis Rains. Lewis is a member of the X Factor 2004 band G4. They came second in 2004. They've sold over 3 million albums in the UK. He's been a member of the band for five and a half years and I've known him for a lot longer than that. This is a privilege. Thanks for joining us, Lewis. Good to see you, Jane. Hello. How are you doing? Hi, sorry, I was just drinking. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it's great to have us with you, with us. Tell me, let's go straight in for the jugular. <laughs> Favourite part of being part of a band like G4? Uh, um, big theatres, touring, fans, autographs, all that, all the fun of it. <laughs> it's great fun. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a magical industry. It's one of those things that when you're a little boy... Um, you dream about being on the stage, singing in front of a live audience. And sometimes you have the opportunity, if you're like in an amateur choir or in um, a small ensemble group of singing maybe one show a year. But to be able to do it for my career for the last uh, five and a half years, you know, singing in front of thousands of people, night after night on some of the most amazing stages. I mean, you can't really write it. It's a, it's a dream come true in so many ways. It really is a dream come true. I mean... You, I suppose, being part of a band like that, there's mm. four of you, am I yeah, right? Yeah. Four incredible voices yeah. that deliver. What would a tour typically look like? How many concerts do you do? Oh, right, so if we're going, so the most recent tour we did, we did 43 shows in about three months. It's five shows a week. Um, you're in like the tour bus, you know, you're, you know, on the road. So typical day would be you, obviously you get to the venue in, in the bus with all the crew and then you, uh, probably wake up about two in the afternoon. Um, it's, <laughs> it's quite uh, a bit of a nocturnal animal these days, but, uh, um, so I would normally get up about, you know, lunchtime, then check into the theatre, find your dressing room, you know, you go and have a, a little mooch around some of the most, Beautiful theatres have the most insane dressing rooms. It's that all that part of the atmosphere and the environment of being in the theatres, always backstage, what goes on. And people always say to me, like, oh, can you get some VIP tickets backstage? I'm like, well, there's not much going on backstage, but, you know, it's, it's, it's awesome. And then you would normally prepare for the show about 4.30, do a sound check. Sometimes you'd have a, a maybe a guest choir. 
Um, and then you would then uh, go backstage again and get changed and get ready for the show. And you do like a meet and greet with some fans before the show, which is really lovely. And that's a really way, that's a really great way, sorry, for us to uh, connect with our audience. And that builds that sort of relationship with the fans that, you know, we're, like we're one of them kind of thing. And that really sort of breaks that barrier. Because sometimes with some groups, it can be like us and them. But we try and bridge that, so that's why we're quite accessible as a group. We try and not hide behind the whole pretense of it. Uh, but then obviously the show about half seven, at the end of the night, you know, all the buzzing and you're excited and you're back on the tour bus, on to the next venue, which could be, you know, you could be going from uh, the Theatre Royal in Portsmouth and going all the way up to, I don't know, Aberdeen. But you just, the driver takes us all the way there. We're just sleeping in our bunks. Then we wake up and we're in the new city, new town. What's really funny is actually sometimes I'll be like, Mom, where are we today? So I'll be ringing it like, oh, we're in a, where are you in Hull? I'm like, oh, okay, where are we tomorrow? Uh, I think we're in Scarborough. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and they say, oh, half, half the time you're on your phone. It's like, where's the, like, it sounds really bad, but I'm always like, where's Pizza Express? I've got the most amount of vouchers of Pizza Express. You love oh, Pizza Express. I love it. Like, every, every city, I'm like, Pizza Express voucher. Oh, amazing. amazing. I was wondering, do you get nervous for every single like performance that you do? Uh, I used to. I used to get very nervous. I used to be very um, in my own little world in some ways. You know, I would always get up in the morning, I'd be checking the voice. And before the show, I'd have to do like a certain warm up. And if that, some part of that was not right, I would get a bit self-conscious but last um few years not really i think um nerves are just i would say it's more excitement um nerves are a big part of singing and i think being nervous is a very good thing i don't think you should people say oh she gets nervous that's really bad no it's not really bad it means she wants to do well mm. i would say that with more experience you learn how to control those yeah. and it becomes more psychological then and it's all about just relaxing your mind and trying to going to your own little world in a positive way and not being like, oh my God, oh my God. So, yeah. Yeah, no, because you hear on the TV shows, obviously, me just watching TV shows, <laughs> but they like say, like the judges, like you can hear like the nerves in the voice. Yes. And I didn't actually know that it like physically affects your voice. Like I've got, I have to say, I get very nervous. I do get very nervous for radio and TV. Um, I don't know why that is, <laughs> um, but I feel like live this is a podcast. It's very relaxing. We're sitting on the sofa, <laughs> glass of water, dog somewhere. It's very, it's perfect, very chill. Sp perfect space for me. But live radio and live TV, I've never really, I would say I've not enjoyed because there's so many things that in my head can be go wrong. Mm. You know, you can say the wrong thing, especially in the world we live in today. Yeah. You can say the wrong thing and then that's you done for the rest of your life. Uh -huh. <laughs> so you're like, you're constantly standing on eggshells a little bit. Um, I remember we did the BBC song, uh, Big Sing with Alan Jones and Catherine Jenkins a few oh, yeah, years yeah. ago and uh, we were doing a holy night and I wasn't very well. I had a bad flu thing and we'd already done five shows on the road and we only got one take and this, there was a live audience, 500 people oh, and this camera got so close to my face on my line, I was like, whatever you do, Lou, just don't, just don't mess it up. <laughs> and that, that was by far the most nervous and I could see my microphone was slightly shaking but that's probably the biggest. Did you mess it up? No, I don't think I got away with it. Um, I watched it over again. I was like, oh, maybe I could have met it, but no one, no one would have noticed. <laughs> Do you have a set routine before you go on stage? Have you got certain, you know, I don't know, you, what, what the rituals or things that you need to do and that gives you a sense of calm or do you just go with the flow? Um, I think those sort of routines have changed over many years. Sometimes I do loads of like lip trolls and warm ups. Um, now I just feel like if I can get my body and my mind into a position of complete relaxation, then it works. So I do a little bit of like yoga breathing. Um, maybe just do some sort of small breath work, but I won't, um, go wobbling away for half an hour. Cause I think that's just a bit too tiring. <laughs> but yeah, I think, I think sometimes people have different routines. I know the boys in the band, you know, John doesn't warm up at all. He doesn't need to. His voice is insane. Really? It's, oh, it's just incredible. It's just made of steel. I know Mike does a little bit of warming up, but Duncan, because uh, he's the bass just down there, he doesn't really want, doesn't need much warming up. He's just like, wakes up like that. It's, like, it's incredible. Absolutely incredible. What Have you got your favourite set of songs, the songs that you've, or the most memorable venue or um, crowd? I've got or? them, yeah, I've, this one is an absolute, um, I can absolutely 100% say that one song that really got me was uh, 
during obviously COVID was really tricky. Obviously, we couldn't tour at all. We had, I think, we had two tours postponed. I think it was seventy dates in total, um, and we just managed to scrape a Christmas tour of twenty twenty one. And we were singing. It was one of the cathedral tours. And look, I've sung in some amazing venues, but I think this venue in particular. I don't know what it was about the time. It was first December, and I remember um, it was Hereford's Cathedral, beautiful cathedral, and it was sold out. And the thing is, it's it's obviously shaped like a cross. Um, but the sides were like 200, 200 people each side and about 500 people in the nave. It was amazing. And I remember I started singing. I have no connection to this song. It's a bit like, I don't know where it came from, but I just sang Climb Every Mountain. Now, this song for me is not really that important. I don't like, oh, it's my favourite song. It's not. But I just started singing the first line and I just sort of looked to my right and it gets me a bit emotional now, but this guy was just welling up and just stood up and started clapping. And then the whole audience, Aww. all I did was climb up. And then all of a sudden, round of applause. And I was just like, oh my goodness. And I, I physically had like goosebumps. And I literally was nearly crying myself because it clearly was like, people had been through so much suffering that, that tour. And COVID was so bad. And it was like, we're coming to the end of that. Even now it gets me because it was just it's like... It's getting me. It was just like... I just went, wow. And then we came backstage and the boys were like, wasn't that just magic? And I was like, yeah, that was insane. And they said, but tomorrow night that might not happen. So ne the next night I was like, we're in Manchester. And I was like, climb and start it. And no one claps, like, damn, I failed. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was, that was a very, very special moment that I think up there with the most, you know, th that for me is like the pearl of like my performance. You know, he's singing on TV, singing in front of, 20,000 people at Switch On event or I don't know there's so many amazing venues I'm so 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 lucky but just that one venue where you could see in that man's eyes that he was so connected to what I was singing and you could see he was physically going through something mm. and I felt like oh that's magic wow. you just hit it yeah. absolutely incredible what I mean, you've been with the band five and a half years. Mm. That's a long time. That's a lot of tours, <laughs> yeah. albums. Yeah, yeah. I guess a lot of photo shoots because there's a lot yeah. of hard work behind the scenes that people won't see. So we can imagine the tour bus because we see it on X Factor. Yeah. We see tour buses. We can imagine the stage and the yeah. lights and the performance. But what's happening behind the scenes? The the practicing, the photo shoots, the suit fittings. That what's all that? Oh, I mean, that logistically is quite hard to organise because we all live so far away from each other. Like, we have someone on the Isle of Wight, uh, Torquay, Leeds and Blackpool, so it's quite hard for us all to get together. Um, but as a group, I think we have a sort of, like, we, we all have an image in our head of what we represent. So when it comes to suits, it's normally quite easy because we're four, uh, four um, classical singers who sing sort of pop and we have, sh obviously, tie and jacket. You know, so that's the way we are. That's the way G4 always was in the X Factor. It was always suited and booted, ties, jacket. It was never really like, okay, we're going to make this converse and try and make it trendy. That's just who the brand is. Yes. And it's, that's okay. The arranging side of things can be quite, um, difficult because, you know, you're, you're trying to put your own, like, angle on a song that most of the time we're doing covers. And so arranging can be really tricky because you're like, well, how do we make this our own? And how do we, you know, we did an arrangement of Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. <laughs> yes. It was just like, why are we doing that? It's like, well, because we're G4. We just take risks. Mm -hmm. I think that's what the band always wants to do is take risks, be brave and have the sort of Marmite effect. We know people don't like us. We know people who love us as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I know people that love you because you, you touched on the meet and greets and Let's just explain how I how I know you, Lewis, yeah, yeah. maybe. That would be interesting <laughs> for everyone to maybe hear about. But uh, for anyone that listens to the podcast may or may not know, but I absolutely adore ice cream, okay? Love ice cream. In fact, today I had an ice cream at the Milking oh, yes. Parlour, my favourite yes, um, favorite ice cream shop, Gelato. Anyway, I love ice cream. So I was searching up different ice cream shops one night, Googling on my phone, <laughs> and stumbled across Lytham Ice Cream Festival. Mm -hmm. And when I stumbled on the page, up the side came up this image of, I don't know what it was saying, something to do with singing, and the name mm -hmm. Lewis Rains. And I went, I know that name. <laughs> I taught that boy. It's got to be the same one. So I did a bit of searching, did a bit of Googling. <laughs> Turns out 
Lewis Reigns is a member of G4, which <laughs> I remember G4 from X Factor because I used to watch it every single year. Mm. At the time, I mean, this is 2004 before you were alive. even born. Neither was I. <laughs> <laughs> that was a bit of a, a lie. Um, <laughs> yeah, so 2004, and I remember G4, and I was like, Lewis Reigns in G4 singing. It's got to be the same one. So I found you on Instagram. We connected, mm. chatted for a little bit, and then you came to see me a few months ago, didn't you? We screamed my head off singing for about two and a half hours. <laughs> we just had uh-huh. such the best fun. Time. That was the best afternoon ever. So I was your... Before even the days of Olivia, I wasn't even pregnant with yeah. Olivia then. I wasn't even married because you sang at my wedding I in did. the choir. I can't remember it, but I think it was a really hot day, if that, if that was right. You were in the white and the red robes because you went yeah. to Rossall School. Yeah, so we yeah. should give them a shout out. Rossall School. Um, and and you came with the organist, Mr. Corrie. and you, it, yeah. yeah, Mr. Corrie. Sorry. And you played at my, my first wedding. I taught you, so we used to have a singing lesson every week. Now, it wasn't typical for boys who played rugby, cricket and all those sports to come to singing lessons. That was tough, wasn't it? Yeah, I think that's the thing. Um, It's very difficult. I think, you know, I didn't really want... It sounds really bad, but I don't think I really wanted to do singing to begin with at all. I found it quite embarrassing, you know, because I was in the rugby team, I was in the cricket team. And I, I mean, I loved my cricket, actually, more than rugby. My rugby, I was just very good at standing on the wing and being cold. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I remember when I was in my, I think I was in year 11 or lower six, I think we started working. I think it was because I obviously had some talent that was not, I would say it was, I didn't know really I could sing, to be honest with you. And I remember coming to you and I think I wouldn't even sing a scale. No. Because I was like, or people could hear me. I'd be like, no, I don't want to sing. If anyone was in the building, you wouldn't sing. No, I think I didn't come to one. I think my mother paid for like maybe eight lessons that term. I think I came to two. Yeah. (laughs) And also it was hard to get out of your lessons to come to that lesson because the boys were, it wasn't such a cool thing to do, was it? No, it really wasn't. And I think that's, I mean, look, I'm very lucky in some ways that I'm actually quite, you know, I'm a confident person. I can stand up for myself. But I think if you're not one of those people who can deal with peer pressure, or like, or, or being a bit different, that's really difficult. So being a boy as a singer, you know, I think how many how many boys did you actually teach? Oh, less than I could count on my hands. Exactly. How many girls? I had three days worth. Exactly. And I remember when I used to go for a singing lesson, there was always like, oh, or oh, Lewis off to do his singing because he's gay and all that stuff. I'm sorry, I don't know if I should say that on the podcast, but that, that was the. And you're like, well, no, I'm just enjoying my singing. That's and, what they said. Yeah, that's that, 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 that was what they said. That's what they. And unfortunately, that stigma still follows the industry today and it's and it's and it's not right no it's not it's right just totally and it's wrong. really restrictive and i used to always argue it's really funny actually because i remember i missed rugby training and um and someone said oh lewis is off to sing his choir because he's a you know blah 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 and i, I don't want to repeat that on the podcast but i go well there's more girls in the choir than there's in the rugby team <laughs> And, like, and that's uh, why Lewis uh, is in the choir. Like, oh, 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 yeah, yeah, right, I'll go join the choir. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that's what I said. I certainly knew how to bat, how to like to bat it off. But you had off. to have have strength of personality and core mm. self belief. But we had such fun in those lessons. You, yeah. were, you were one of my very memorable students. I have to say, we had fun. We laughed. Yeah. We 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 sang some beautiful pieces. Uh, yeah. Scarlet Pimpernel into the fire. I'll never forget it. Sorry, anyway, so we um and you progressed and you used to ask me different questions and you were certainly curious about becoming a singer yeah. but I never knew that it was something you were going to go off and pursue actually no, neither did I <laughs> because I obviously then um, had Olivia I was ex- uh, expecting you I was actually like um, you were just born and then just shortly after started Little Voices and I left obviously all of that mm. one-to-one teaching to go and build go and build the business that I now have today but um, so I didn't know what happened at the end of your journey mm. So we connected on Instagram. You came around to my house a few months ago. We had the most amazing afternoon of singing and... Proper tanking it. Oh, we really were. (laughs) We did all sorts. And it was just fantastic. Mm. And it was lovely to connect with you. It's like I'd seen you yesterday. So it was a no-brainer for me to ask you to come and meet A, Mm. my daughter, and and be on the podcast with us. I'm very happy to be here. Um, And you were just about to go on tour. So what's next for you? Oh, what's next? Well... This is a bit of a surprise. I know it's going to take um, maybe your listeners or maybe some G4 fans who want listeners, but actually the next, next step for me is I am actually, after five and a half years and having a really good career, I'm actually decided to step away from G4 and we'll be leaving the band at the end of this year. 
And I know that decision is going to be like, um, why would you leave something that's so great? You know, you're touring, stuff like that. I joined the band when I was 27, I think. I'm 33 now. And I just have a vision of my life for the next five years. And unfortunately, that vision does not have G4 in it. And I feel like I've um, accomplished so much with G4. And I feel like I have ticked that box. And I, I would like to move on to do something else. I look, I loved and I still will love always being a part of G4 and I always will be a part of G4 in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this last tour I did, I realised that that I wasn't enjoying touring as much as I used to. And I think when you're a singer and you're performing for people every night, you're giving them a service. You know, they, they're coming to you to retreat from their own lives to escape. And I wasn't, in my opinion, giving them the best way of escapism. And so I thought, and it's really, I must say to the boys who have been really supportive, they've been incredible. They know That must have been a really hard conversation. It's been a, yeah, really tough on them and really tough for all of us. And they've been so um, positive about my move and they've really supported me. And I'm, I'm delighted that they've, um, they've been so, um, Understanding, because I think they knew that I wasn't fully expressing my voice the way I wanted to, and and, and it's so internal the voice, isn't it? Yeah. It's an internal instrument. It's it's hinged on what you're thinking up here and what you're feeling mm. in your heart, mm. and you've got that vagus nerve that connects the brain all the way down. And you, yeah. and if you are not engaged in the brain and mm. the heart, yeah. that voice will not flow. No, not at all. And exactly. Uh, but the good thing is, is that um, I said I'd love to do one more tour for the Christmas tour, because it's such a magical tour for me that I love it, singing in like, you know, Gloucester Cathedral, Exeter, Ely, Durham, I'm doing the Tower Ballroom again in Blackpool. We're you know, coming. Like, yeah, hometown gig. We're coming. And the boys have just said, we'd love that to be your farewell tour. Don't leave us, if you really just, and, I've, and I will go out there and absolutely love this next tour. It's going to be, for me, it'll be very emotional, because mm-hmm. obviously I'm saying goodbye, and I'm actually hanging up my mic and my jacket for good from singing. And that's okay, big... so it's not, you know, some people leave bands or they leave what mm. they're doing or they leave a football team to go to another team or, <laughs> yeah. or, or no. go solo or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'm not But that's that. not the situation, no, is I'm it? No, I'm not doing that. I'm just, I, I realise that I really love being more educated knowledge-wise. I'm doing more academic studies again. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm doing a lot of my own, I'm, doing, I'm studying again a bit more physics and mathematics. Um, I'm really enjoying exploring new career options um, look, I'm not 100% sure where I'm going to be in a year's time or two years time. But I've we're going to get you back to oh, see yeah, where I you are. <laughs> I, I, I've, got a, I've got a very, I've got an idea that what I want to do and it's going to take a bit of time and a bit of focus, but I'm really excited about the next step. But first of all, I must acknowledge to the fans of G4 that I'm so grateful for support and I will come and do this tour for all of them and then say goodbye and walk off into the sunset and nod to an amazing career and what a, what a great life I've had. We are just going to interrupt this episode for a few minutes just because we have a life-changing offer for you. If you manage to listen to episode 19, Your Style Matters, you will know that we interviewed the managing director of global company, Colour Me Beautiful, Cliff Bashforth. And we are delighted, both Liv and I, to have Colour Me Beautiful as a sponsor of the School Run podcast, helping you to absolutely change your life with colour and look fantastic every time you walk in a room, a party, a business meeting, whatever it is. As we know, every day is a school day and this special offer is for the school run listeners only. You need to ring Colour Me Beautiful and quote the school run to take advantage of it. But Liv, why was it so life-changing for you having this colour analysis done? It really opened my eyes to how the different colours, depending on how they reflect on your skin, how they can lift your face or not lift your face, and then you get this amazing colour palette with all the different shades of colour which you can take into any shop or anytime you go shopping and put it up against the piece of clothing so you know that it'll look perfect on you and honestly I've never made a shopping mistake ever again. It actually is cost effective because your whole wardrobe starts to work together everything that you pick out goes with each other there's so many other sort of opportunities you can have with a consultant as well they can look at your style and your body shape and your makeup and all sorts of 
things. But the colour analysis is the starting point. And this special offer is for our listeners only. So what you need to do is ring the head office number and you need to quote the school run. So that number is 01772-750-052. Or you can email Cliff himself, Cliff C-L-I-F-F at cmbdirect.co.uk. That's cliff at cmbdirect.co.uk. Obviously, you can follow them on social media. You can see our social media pages to find out more about them or visit their website, colourandbeautiful.co.uk. It is a life-changing experience to have your own personalised colour palette to help you in all areas of your life, business, pleasure, leisure, holidays, relaxed sportswear it's just loungewear it's just honestly life-changing so if you want that life-changing experience go to the show notes all the details are on there of our sponsor and as i say ring color me beautiful directly get in touch with cliff and quote the school run back to the episode so you know i think how did you end up in g4 you were living in london at the time, I was, yeah. I assume. Oh, this is a great story so like i, I just got back from working on a cruise ship and um, I was working at an opera company in, called Neville Holt, and they're based in Market Harbour, and it's an incredible opera company. That, and if you get, if anyone gets the opportunity to watch their operas, they're insane. It's like the, it's it's, it's sort of like a, an up and coming Glyndebourne. I'm pretty certain in a few years' time they'll be doing massive productions, and they already are. So I was studying, uh, sorry, I was, I was singing with them, and there was an audition for a, a like an opera group. Uh, that came up and I got the the email and then uh, I thought, well, this sounds interesting. It said, and the, the memo was like, like Calabro, like G4, like Ildivo, like Blake. I never assumed it was G4. And I sent in my material. I did a couple of auditions, you know, a couple of conversations, and then another audition, I thought. And this process went up about four months. Wow. And then I got a, an email saying, would you come and meet the team? And I was like, who are you guys? What is this? <laughs> anyway, I actually met up with, the, when I went to go and have my meeting, it was actually with G4. And I was like, oh, this is, this is, this is different. Yeah. So what's going on? Have they made another band? <laughs> is it, like, it going to be like G4 and another group? And they said, no, we want you to be the, the new member of G4. And I was like, oh my God. And that, that's when I knew that my life would be going in a completely different direction. You have these moments where doors open and close, like the one I'm going through right now is I'm closing a door. But that moment five and a half years ago for me was a door opening. And I was just like, my life now for, for maybe five years, which is what I thought, um, is completely different. And it was changed all in a single conversation. And they're like, you must not tell anyone. This is all, you know, top, mom, secret. top secret. So I ran my mum. <laughs> <laughs> because if there's anyone you can trust, it's you your mum. You talk to your mum. Yeah. And, I, and then she was obviously like, how'd it go? What was it about? And I said, you're not going to believe this. Um, and don't scream. I said, but I think I've just been asked to join G4. And she was like, oh my God. <laughs> and, and I said, we can't tell anyone, we can't tell anyone. And then I ran my dad and <laughs> well, I told a small group of people, but no one that was going to same thing. And then about two weeks later, it was announced and yeah. And the was, rest is history. The rest <laughs> is history. And it was just like, well, and that first And that's thought, a huge step, isn't it? I mean, you know, I know firsthand the struggles of you know, going through training to be a singer, mm. going to college, out. The, you know, when you're in that college environment, it's a very... It's cliquey. It's cliquey, it's contained, you're all aiming for the same thing. It's you're very narrow. Very narrow, you think that that is the world. No. Then you graduate and you're no. out into this big ride world and actually, well, actually, am I a singer? No. It's... Am I going to perform? Yeah, I know. I don't particularly like some of the ways that conservatoires and, and musical theatre. I mean, look, I love musical theatre. I love everyone that does singing in some ways of the industry. But, you know, the West End is such a small industry. And, you know, the opera world is also a very small industry. And if you don't have those sort of ownership skills of creating your own, I don't know, finding your own way through, then it's really difficult. You shouldn't try and rely too much. It's weird in a way if you'd say that, but relying too much on companies just to employ you because you are passionate about singing you've got to go out there and get it you've got to be a go-getter you've got to be brave courage and 
And create your own personal brand. Yeah, really, yeah. None of that you are told at college, are you? No. Really, you, honestly, it's you, a skimming the surface. This is why I think musical theatre performers and actors, singers make the best, like, business people for, like, recruitment, finance, because they are just all go-getters, because they have to go through such a struggle, like, singing and theatre and dancing and all that industry, it's ruthless. Like, it's it's tough. And, and you would you say anyone is really your friend? Mm, I would say the old boys in G4 are my friends. Yeah. We're very close, really close. And that's that's what's the bond you form in a band is very sacred. And, you know, they, 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 they know everything about you. And also support you through hard times and good times. But I think when you're outside of a band environment... Um, On your own, as a singer yeah, or a performer, all, that's... Yeah. It's, it's hard. Dog eat dog. And that's ultimately also the reason why I feel like I want to close the door and scream move on something else is because I've had it so good. I don't want to go and continue in a world where it's just, you know, oh. I want to do something for me now, my journey, my story. Completely different. Who would you, what would you go back and tell your younger self? I know you're only 33, so you've got the whole <laughs> of your life ahead Hopefully of you. Hopefully I'm still young. You're still young. Um, but ultimately, what would you go back and tell your younger self at this stage, knowing what you know now? Um, I don't like the phrase um, prove prove them wrong but prove to yourself that they were wrong not do you see what I mean it's a different way of saying I say this to a lot of people like don't prove they were wrong prove to yourself that they, and they'll know they were wrong sort of thing and a lot of people early on in my singing career hear about when I want to become an opera singer and they're like oh yeah oh, of course oh yeah of course and then when I got there, they were like, oh, we always knew you were going to get there. It's like, mm, yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah, we know where you are. We know, we know, I know teachers at my school and people on the way have, were always like, well, you know, and actually I feel so good that I got there, but it was not, that was never a way of just proving them wrong. It was just like, I know to myself that I could do it. I also think it always will work itself out. You can't change the future. You can invest in yourself today to prepare yourself if you had a crystal ball right now that said in five years time you're going to be a I don't know president of the United States exactly. of America you wouldn't work hard to get there at all you go well I'm going to be president that's what the crystal ball says <laughs> great I'm going to sit back and I'll be president no none of us have a crystal ball and some part of us wish we did to go I just want to know it's going to be okay but it will be okay it always is going to be okay Things do work out eventually, and you just have to. I would say to my younger self, just remember that it does. And I think I was always trying to control how I felt. You know, I wish in some parts of my singing career, especially early on, that I just enjoyed it a bit more. I put a lot, I mean, singing in front of a thousand people is pretty scary, <laughs> it's a bit nerve wracking. But I just wish I was just like, you know, no one's going to die. <laughs> but you were always very even as a teenager and I can only relate to you being a 16, 17 year old boy the same as you are now really that you were, yes you were confident and, and you had self-belief but you were a technician as well you wanted mm. things to be so right no I need to do that again Jane no I need to do that uh, yeah. one again no I need to hear that note again and, and you, were, you were it was never good enough that's part of the reason why I'm changing career to do something else that's more technology technical based it's because if I know that's a fact and that's how it works, I'll be able to do it every time. Every time. The thing about singing is it, it becomes, it's not just about the technique. It's about how you're feeling, what you've eaten, have you drunk something? Have you slept properly? Slept properly? Are you, how's your relationship with your girlfriend or your boyfriend or whatever? They all, that whole thing comes into it. And if your mind is not, you know, clear, it can really, really throw you. So I'm much of a big technician. And so that's part of the reason why I'm looking to do something else is that I want to be able to put my mind to it because my, I do genuinely believe that I've got a very powerful mind. I believe, I'm, I believe in myself. I believe I'm clever. And if I want to learn something, I'll do it. And I'll do it myself. Mm. I'll read a book. I'll find everything out. Or if I don't know it, I'll ask for help. Yeah, and I'll find a way. Ask for help. Always ask for help. Like, if, have you ever asked for help for someone they've not given you? No. Exactly. And people don't ask for it. I don't know what it is. It's an insecurity thing. I don't get it. You know, if you're struggling with like, I don't know, say you're struggling with, you can't build an Ikea sofa. 
Look, you come around and give me a hand with this. Yeah, I'll come round. Don't suffer for nine hours trying to build the sofa if you can get it done just in ask, two. Yeah, just, just ask. Just ask. And <laughs> someone, someone will absolutely help you. I believe, I always know also about you, and I think I was right when we chatted about this a few months ago when you came round. You've got a fantastic family. Mm. And you were always such a family oh, yeah. boy. Massively. I could tell. I've never met your mum. I've never met your dad. Never met, I've never met any of your sister. I've never met any of these people. But I knew that you yeah. had that amazing support around you. It's weird in a way because I come from a divorced family. <clears throat> so I have a, almost like two families. So my, my, obviously my dad, who's a very successful um, surgeon, my mother, who's a doctor, my mum remarried to Jonathan, who my, uh, my stepfather, who is, was like a father to me, as much as my own father. In different, but how wonderful was it that I had an amazing father, an amazing stepfather, that both were just, gave me so many great attributes as a person. And it was, that was amazing. So yeah, I've, I've been very fortunate. I mean, my mother is my biggest inspiration. I've always said if my mum was in charge of most things, we'd get a lot of things done quicker. Because she just doesn't, doctor who worked, was the only female in her entire class at university studying medicine in the 1970s, dealt with um, stigma, um, you know, misogyny towards her. And she is just an, uh, like um, such a soldier, battle through all that. And I just, and she's just so tough. And so I look at her and go, yeah, I can do anything because of my mum. And I always, I love my mum's pieces. Biggest, my big inspiration. Strong, powerful. And when I see some of the stuff in today's world, I'm like, just need to get mum down there. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's, sort, she's sort out that cabinet office with a cricket bat in a day. <laughs> with kindness though. Yeah. She's not ruthless. What kind of doctor is your mum? I don't think I knew that. I was, she was, um, she was, uh, she started off in the A&E children's ward at Birmingham. I think she was the A&E surgeon there. <clears throat> and then like, uh, when I was born, uh, she moved into general practice and then she worked uh, her, uh, a lot of, a lot of years uh, in the military. Really? Wow. Yeah. That was amazing for her. What, what, tell me about being a doctor in the military, what you know of it. I mean, I don't know what I can actually say. No, that's all right. So that's I, fine. I, I'm, we won't gonna, go there. But yeah. I'm going to say that, that she had it, it was very rewarding for her. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm allowed to say too much about no, that. No, 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 that's fine. But it was fine. very uh, rewarding and, you know, she met some incredible people. Mm. and um, some, you know, the structure and the routine is that, that gets these people through. It's incredible. incredible. Yeah, absolutely incredible. And your father's ophthalmic surgeon, am I right? Ophthalmologist. Oh, right, okay, wow. Ophthalmology. Ophthalmology, yes, that's it. Uh, so he was an eye surgeon. Um, again, my dad is um, a testament of someone who, I don't know if you'd like this, who wasn't the brightest bunny. He wasn't very clever. He failed a lot of his exams, <laughs> which he would never get into medical school these days without them. <clears throat> I mean, he was clever, but he couldn't really feel like what he wanted. All he wanted to was be a football player. He was mm -hmm. a very good player at football. I think that's why I've got a lot of support in my family. Um, but he found his, he, was, he was again a tech, like a technician, technician. like myself. Mm. Um, and when he found something he was good at, my, wow, was he good at it? Like, and he was so good at it. And he was he sailed through medical school after that once he found. Once you find your feet in something that you can do and you can do every day and repeat it, you set. Repeat and rinse. <laughs> he was so good at being an eye surgeon. Mm. Like, he was renowned in my area and that's what's so incredible about him. But now he's just like enjoying time being a farmer, I think. <laughs> but he's actually on TikTok. If you go on TikTok, he? he's got 730,000 followers on TikTok. No way. It's, 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 underscore, it's just underscore dad. And you see him like building... <laughs> Mowing the lawn and digging trenches. <laughs> oh, I love that. I want to meet him one day, Lewis. Oh, I want to meet him. He is a funny guy. He's, he <laughs> is a funny... He's honestly... Don't know. So if it comes to our question of who your greatest mentor or inspiration <laughs> would be, mm. obviously aside from your mum. Oh, I was going to say my mum again. Oh. <laughs> you beat me to it. No, it's all right if you want to go down, down the... Down. I think my mum was my best mentor because I am... I'm actually, I'm actually quite, quite dyslexic. And really? I, I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm severely dyslexic at school. And I want you to know at school that, look, I loved Ross. I had a great time. Though I did struggle academically, but, and I failed on my GCSE mocks. I had a terrible time of it. And then my mum said to me, we're going to make you pass these. And she sat me in a shed for two weeks and we revised pretty much the whole syllabus and I passed on my GCSEs. <laughs> oh my so how do you, how, do you, how is it my mum could teach me GCSEs in two weeks 
the school couldn't like we're not so going to say what the school is but I had a great I enjoyed the school yeah. but academic studies at school weren't for me yeah. they are now because yeah. my brain is so much better than it was when I was I mean, how do you learn all that how do you how do kids get all that syllabus in in two years I've no idea it's ridiculous <laughs> whereas we did it in two weeks sitting in the back of the shed she was like she was like I'm determined for you to pass your physics and your maths and your sciences or whatever and she was just like right yeah so she was my mentor and still is you know Right now, I'm going through a transitional period of um, going from one career to another, and we're constantly um, like, um, what's the call? What's the call when you're like um, annotating? Well, it's more like um, analysing. Sorry, analyzing. What, we've got career we're going to next, yeah, and we've got a pretty good idea what we're going to do. And I look forward to coming back on in a couple of years with what I'm going to do. It's really exciting me. I'm enjoying so much the process. Yeah, um, but you know, with her, you can be so open. Mm-hmm. Having a family member that you can just say you know, this is a problem and this is this and that. And that's the important. I know a lot of people don't have that connection with their families. No. You know, there's like this barrier of shame, if they say. And also it's hard when you come from a, what what would be termed a split family or, mm. or two. You know, it's not always harmonious for, no, for everyone. And, and But it's how you shape it and how you work through that. And I what would you say? Yeah, I, well, obviously I agree because obviously I am from a split family. Obviously, my you, you and my dad are very, very good. Like, dad comes around here and picks me up, and and my stepdad and my dad get on really well as well. So I feel very lucky that I like. Obviously, it's not been easy all the time, but now you know everyone gets on, and I'm very grateful for that. Mm. It's really important when you have those sort of separations in the family. You don't get the lawyers involved. That's a, yes, and you can communicate. I mean, obviously, sometimes there are, and that's a terrible situation because it's all about another dog eat dog situation. But my parents, when they when things were going not where they wanted to go, they sat down and said, "What's the best for the kids?" And first of all, with the kids, you know, first of all, school, education, and there was a really good conversation, an adult conversation. You know, when you get some divorces where it's like, "Right, I'm going to take this and take that," it gets very messy in the the kids are really affected, yeah, I think. Well, I know it's not easy. I know there are families out there that go through that, and I hope it's not cause any serious problems for anyone, but, like, if you can just communicate with each other. And sometimes you can't. Sometimes one party is just a nightmare, mm. and you have to do it. Mm. But if you can... How old were you when you... when you? Um, seven. Seven, so you were quite young as well, weren't you? Yeah, very young. I went a bit rebellious for about, two, about a year after it happened. I was very naughty. I remember, like, you know, mum was saying to me, like, you know, I used to go, like, oh, I haven't got a dad anymore. I used to throw things. She was like, you're not going to be that child. Mm. You're going to, you are going to, you are going to be my child and you're going to be an epitome of self-respect and you can deal with this. You're stronger than this. Mm. And I literally like, right. Yeah, brilliant. How amazing. Probably wasn't ever broke a rule again. <laughs> if, if I go for a 30 mile an hour and I think I've gone over 33 or, or even 30 or 10% I'm like oh god I've broken the law <laughs> <laughs> I can't not um, touch on your passion and love of golf because oh, I see lots of golf pictures <laughs> love it his love of sport is insane probably a bit like yours probably a bit like mine I mean the only thing I know about golf is the film Happy Gilmore yeah, it's not quite my game at the moment. We should get the ball that far. <laughs> no, the golf for me is like my meditation. Sometimes you, people struggle to find a ways of clearing their mind of stresses and, and pressures. And when you can just put your mind, it's like reading a book. You know, reading a book's great for just keeping your mind focused on one thing. And you notice when you read a book how much time you spend on social media. You realise how distracting all that rubbish is. Endless rabbit hole of scrolling. Whereas golf for me is like reading a book. I'm in a zone. I can be on my own. I can leave the phone in the car and I can just hit a ball and walk after it. And people go, I don't understand that. But like, it's not hitting the ball and walking after it. It's the time when you're actually in your own thoughts. And I love it. Love it. It's, I was playing last night with two of my mates and we were just saying, this is just perfect. There's no one, of course, sun setting at about eight o'clock at night. Um, and, you know, golf is a beautiful sport. And I always say to people, if you can get in golf, get in golf. It's not for old men. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's really interesting. And in terms of, you know, where you're living now, you're obviously 
Back in Lytham, I guess. I'm mostly back in sort of uh, South Shore area, Blackpool. Oh, okay. I have a lovely apartment that's like on the beach, South Shore area. I've got a lot of lovely roof terrace that I can go out and just sit and have a coffee. You know, it's it's really made up for me. I'm really happy. It's that's, great. That's so good. You can't be more happier than being by the sea. I know the ocean. It's mm. it's something about it. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. It's an incredible place. To be in, on the beach, the sea, the sunsets. Yeah, sometimes I'm watching the planes go out of uh, out of Blackpool Airport and I think, oh, there must be a hell of a view up there. Wouldn't it yeah. be lovely? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, 100%. It's been an incredible um, podcast episode, this, and I feel like, I feel really privileged that our worlds have come back together. Yeah. And, and like, we literally just chat like it was yesterday yeah. when I saw you. Didn't you think that a few months ago when we met up? I think, you know, you... you your memories of your past sometimes can just, you know, re- reignite with the passion. I have to be honest, you know, I've sung so much, so many shows. My voice is now like, oh, I'm so tired. Not, I love singing, but you know, it's it's coming to the end of that career, and it's it's sad. And I know I'll be I'll be absolutely I'll be a wreck that last night. And I'm going to do for the fans and for my band members who I love. I'm going to have a great time. But coming here with you and singing for all those scores sometimes you're just having that outburst of that energy and love for singing that's why you should all join a choir that's why you should all sing singing is a emotional response to your body and it's your mind and it was so great yeah, it was wonderful it was I love playing for you as well yeah you uh, played piano I sang it was just it was a it was whole great. afternoon wasn't it, it was great. I was absolutely knackered by the end of it. <laughs> but, but it's interesting because I went a few years with Little Voices where I although I was um, I was teaching for many, many, many years mm. and teaching in the lessons as well. And then I sort of stood away to build the national franchise mm. and I didn't do so much teaching. I certainly mm. didn't have any one-to-one. I didn't go and teach in the classrooms. And Liv was singing in the choir at the cathedral in Blackburn one year with your primary school. And I went and I listened. There was a, a, an opera singer um, singing and the choir and everything and I was in the cathedral and he said I mean the acoustics they're just incredible aren't they yeah. and I sat and listened and I was like I need music in my life like although I'm in the industry mm. of sorts I'm not doing the same so it was always really important I mean we've, we've built an extension at my house and we've got the, the we finally the got the piano, the piano tune <laughs> the piano's tuned Thank now <laughs> um, and I, so we sometimes just sit we play we sing don't we Yes, I, I, I remember because when you would always used to practice, you would sing at weddings. As much as I was trying to go to sleep at 10 o'clock at night and all I heard downstairs, oh, <laughs> right. I did love it and you have a beautiful voice and I love listening to you and also taking videos of you and putting it all over social media and everyone loves you too. They say you sound like an angel. <laughs> but I actually just like, I'd sometimes just sit on the stairs and I'd just listen to you sing. I was like, Honestly, this is just so beautiful. And when you didn't, you didn't play piano or sing for like years, and obviously the piano was untuned, and now it's sat in there. And I listen to you, I'm like, why don't you sing all the time? No, but I've realised from that incident, from going to the cathedral and having that break of not, that it's so important that I need it. Mm. And so we do, we book theatre trips, I, I sing, we do yes. evenings, we, the neighbours come round, like it's a massive, so I would definitely, when it's part of you, you've got to keep having it part of you in some capacity. Uh-huh. Mm. Um, oh, I will still sing. Uh, maybe I won't sing uh, publicly. Um, I'll still be doing some um, coaching I run. I have a number of students I coach and that's where I feel like I'm passing on my knowledge that I will continue to do. Um, but I think... I hope to pick it up again maybe later. Mm-hmm. I feel like it just needs a bit of a, a reset. Yeah, and a rest. And a rest. Yeah. But this and next... singing for a different purpose. Exactly. preparing to do your craft and your career yes. is very different to singing Absolutely. for the love of singing. Exactly. Sing for the love of singing. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, but I will, you know, this next, like the Christmas tour coming up this year, I'm, I'm studying uh, again with my old tutor, and I'm really preparing for this tour. Like, I want to go out with an absolute bang. And I want to go out singing the best I've ever sang. And I'm sure that you will. And we're coming. So wait. we booked tickets after I found you, didn't I? I booked these tickets. It's a and, and I booked um, meet and greets. Ah. And then you were poorly and we couldn't go. Yeah. 
Um, so we, we, I popped it on Facebook that morning and someone said, I'll have them. It was, um, Eve said she'd go yeah. and she took her mum and they were absolutely, she said the fans were all over you in these meet and greets <laughs> and we would have been there. We're definitely <laughs> coming there yeah. next time. They're great for bringing cola bottles because I know I love Candy King cola bottles. I've always got an endless supply of sweets. That's <laughs> <laughs> great. No, they're amazing. I love them. They're good fun. Yeah. They're just, you know, they're just having a great time. And how, how wonderful is that you give them so much happiness. That is fantastic. So we always finish our podcast, Lewis, with a school run memory. Obviously, you don't yet have your own children or so it's not like that you're taking your own children to school. But Mm. your own school run memory, what would that be? Uh, It'd probably be sitting in the back of my stepfather's BMW convertible, proper old fashioned one with the old tape record, you know, the old little cassette tape. And uh, he'd be picking me up, and it was middle of winter, November. He's like, putting the roof down, old boy. I was like, here we go. <laughs> roof down, it's freezing cold, and putting in uh, the Beatles. And we played the Beatles all the way home. Oh. Living, down the prom. Amazing. Mad. So good. Um, so that was a school run memory. Just, it was so much fun being picked up in that little old-fashioned BMW. <laughs> and how great. long was your school run journey? It wasn't an hour oh, and a half like was, ours, was it? It wasn't, but it wasn't sure either. Um, it was about... 45 minutes. 45 minutes. From Lytham to Fleetwood. Yeah. Um, Beatles on, top Beatles, down, freezing, uh-huh. Beach wind. boys, and wind, cold. You know, it's not LA. <laughs> <laughs> but Blackpool certainly has some bit of Vegas about it. It sure does. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us on our School One podcast. And um, I hope everyone's enjoyed that. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the School Run Podcast. If this is your first time listening, please go back and maybe listen to a few other episodes that we've previously recorded. There's lots of interesting topics, people's different roles and careers. We're sharing all of these stories to inspire and empower young people. That's our reason why. You don't have to have it all figured out at school. My co-host Liv is my 15-year-old daughter and I just keep telling her that school is just a small chapter of of life and there's so much out there if you just say yes to those opportunities. You don't have to have it figured out at school. We're privileged to be having these conversations and we're really thankful to our guests for coming on. Please would you hit the follow button on the podcast channel that you're listening to us on. This will really help us to grow and improve the podcast long term. It'd be lovely if you could write us a review on the podcast that you listen to us on and maybe give us a star rating. Lots of people have already bought us a virtual coffee so that we can have some chats and plan the content going forward. The link is www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash the school run. www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash the school run. And as Liv has already told you in the middle of this episode, we do have an Instagram the school run underscore official and we also have a LinkedIn showcase page. Would you just share this podcast if you've enjoyed it with one other person today? That would really help us. Thank you so much. Don't forget to click that follow button and we'll see you again next Monday at 6am. 